You're entering the Giant Rock Podcast. For the next two hours, kick back and enter a world that few know about and even fewer understand. Hello, this is Jeff Crawford and with Chad Meek. And this is the Giant Rock Podcast first episode. And we're going to have Chad go over his backstory of all of his experiences. Go ahead, Chad. Hi, Jeff. Wow, this is exciting. Oh, yeah. It's really exciting, <laughs> exciting to be here, exciting to do the show. Long overdue. Uh, I've had a, me- a tremendous amount of people ask me to, to uh, or ask me why I haven't, uh, you know, done one of these things before on our own. I've done probably about 350 to 400 you know, guest uh, shots on various shows. So I'm pretty excited. It's fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, I know we've got a lot of guests out in the future and and uh, some really good guests, um, you know, people that have a tremendous amount of things to say. And fortunately, a lot of them are connected to Giant Rock, which I guess that's a segue into the whole storyline. I happen to grow up. Uh, at Giant Rock, or actually with my grandmother, who, uh, whose place was about a baseball throw away from the Integraton, and about two miles, uh, two miles from Giant Rock. So I grew up out there during the early '60s and had some incredible experiences. And uh, just being around all these people out at Giant Rock, which is which was the notorious epicenter of the whole UFO contactee movement uh, uh, actually which began in the late 40s and, and really got going in the late 50s and 60s. And uh, I was living out there and I got to see things that no human being uh, should probably be entitled to see and experience. Um, uh, most of my experiences uh, in contact with the uh, extraterrestrial were were riveting and uh, somewhat scary, uh, but uh, when I began to talk uh, about them and the various things that went on, it's almost like I get transported back there in time. So fascinating. So, Chad, where so everybody knows where Giant Rock is? Where where is Giant Rock? So we, we let everybody know where it's at. Giant Rock is as a crow flies, which is a, I guess a Southern term. It's about, about a hundred miles from Los Angeles due West out in the middle of Mojave desert, a, a closer city that people would know would be Palm Springs and giant rocks about 35 miles North, uh, uh, would, would be North, uh, East of Palm Springs I, again in the Mojave desert, high desert. Uh, one of the other towns that people would be able to uh, relate to, especially if they were in the Marine Corps, would be 29 Palms. The backside of Giant Rock actually uh, is, in fact, 29 Palms uh, Marine Base out there. So, um, uh, and of course, Yucca Valley is the t- town 10 miles away from it. So that would give you a good view as far as where uh, Giant Rock is. The unincorporated town is called Landers, uh, and there's not much going on out there, and there still isn't. 
I, I, well, actually, I, I correct that because it, it's a little bit more uh, activity going now. Um, a lot of hipsters from LA and uh, people are starting to, you know, go out there. So that's where it's at. Uh, there's been various. Uh, when I was there, uh, I, you know, uh, I would guess it would be like somewhere in the neighborhood, uh, especially during uh, different times. There would be less than, say, 50 people within a 25-mile radius, 50 to 75 people. So it's not very, wasn't very popular. Um, I used to have to ride the bus to Joshua Tree, uh, uh, about 10 miles to go to school when I lived out there. So, um, but we had a lot of interesting people visit uh, the the area, which was kind of. Uh, a lot of celebrities, uh, a lot of very different people uh, made their way out there. Um, and this uh, is in the 60s. You know, in fact, I, I, some of the notables is, of course, uh, Howard Hughes used to fly out there quite regularly. And uh, before he became, uh, you know, so drug, addict, uh, drug addicted, he couldn't <laughs> drive a car, let alone fly a plane. But he used to actually fly his own plane out there. And, and uh, ref, you know, refuel uh, with my uncle, and because uh, my uncle ran this Dry Lake Airport and actually had a uh, little gas uh, truck that he'd refill planes, and he would. Uh, Howard Hughes was in love with my uh, aunt Eva's uh, boysenberry pie, which, if you're from California, I guess that's pretty typical. I guess it could be anywhere. Boysenberry pie seems to be a big. Uh, favorite, so he used to fly out there. So, so it was a very eclectic uh, um, place. Uh, the energy is incredible, even today. Um, it, it's just amazing. There's something going on out there, and I don't know whether um, it's the eight and a half story displaced uh, giant rock that was actually carved and blasted out and dug into uh, and provided a living quarters for a man named Frank Kreitzer and then later my uncle and, and uh, Aunt Eva when they first came out there in the, in the late 40s. So, yeah. Uh, it's a, kind of like a little kid's wonderland uh, out in the middle of nowhere that I used to get lost and uh, it was very, very exciting to even be there. It was just so different because uh, you know, several times, there was always a lot of activity around the rock and the restaurant. There would be, I would walk across the dry lake and uh, my grandmother's house. And I always see military uh, helicopters and airplanes there and uh, would witness a lot of military people talking to my uncle and never could figure that one out until later, which is uh, my uncle was essentially was the go-to guy. If you'd actually experienced a, uh, uh, we didn't get your uncle's name. What's your uncle's name? George Van Tassel, uh, he was the, yeah, George Van Tassel, uh, who is uh, my uncle and, uh, um, and um, my Aunt Eva, my aunt, of course, of course, there's all kinds of family out there. There's a whole slew of, of us out there, um, and they've been out there since the late 40s. So. And you're talking about Frank Kreitzer. Uh, what, what year was that? Where he was living there. Frank Kreitzer, Kreitzer came, yes. uh, 
when did he come? I think he came out there in the 20s. Yeah, the 20s. And uh, uh, Frank Kreitzer, uh, we always thought he, he was, uh, he, you know, there was a big to-do out there about him being a German spy, which really wasn't true. Um, but he actually had family in Kansas. Uh, and his family had immigrated from uh, Germany and had uh, landed there. And Frank Kreitzer um, actually met my uncle, George, uh, in a Santa Monica gas station where my, uh, where George was working. And, uh, literally the story was, uh, they, and actually it's in my book, giant rock. He had, <laughs> he'd come in there and he needed work on an old Exeter six cylinder, uh, car. It was, the transmission was completely screwed up. And, uh, so he came in there and he was, told a gigantic story about this uh, giant stone where there were all these treasures and minerals and things like that. And he discussed this at length while they were trying to fix this uh, car. And uh, <laughs> apparently both my uncle George and his uncle uh, believed it, believed the story. And uh, at the end of the day, uh, Actually, it was the, the next day. They ended up throwing a bunch of groceries and canned goods and uh, some other sundry items, a pick and other things, filled up the car, didn't charge him for the work, and filled his car up with gas and sent him on his way uh, with the promise that Frank Kreitzer would cut him in on the deal, you know, out there. So anyways, I guess it took a couple of months. And they got a letter from Frank Kreitzer explaining what he was doing out there. And, and, uh, so it was a, uh, actually a legit deal. And so Kreitzer was, was prospecting out there for various, you know, gold, silver, you name it. And he was out there doing it. And so that's how the relationships began, uh, pretty much on a handshake and a, and a grub stake by my uncle and his uncle. Did he ever find gold or silver? Actually, no, no, they never really did. I mean, there's a, there's um, of any uh, economic amount. Now, up through Pioneer Town, and uh, which you know a lot of people, uh, Pioneer Town, which is not too far away from that, is, they found some trace minerals over there. Uh, but then it became, and that, and of course, it became a, a Hollywood Western studio. Um, you know, but but they actually found some trace metals, but no one ever did any, of any commercial or uh, economic quality. Incidentally, my, I have a background in, of course, energy and uh, uh, oil and gas exploration and mining exploration, and it just that kind of came later. But <laughs> yeah, so so my my origins out there or my pedigree it stems from a bunch of people looking for gold and silver, trying to make some money. I think that's great. No one, no one got anyway. lucky. No one got hit the main right. vein on that. <laughs> right, right. So, 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 but anyways, uh, Frank Kreitzer, talk about, talk about a character. Frank Kreitzer was a character. They used to call him, refer to him as Crazy Kreitzer because um, he was pretty unorthodox, but, but really a, a, a genius uh, in many uh, respects. He was a follower of Nicholas Tesla. He was. He also was a uh, 
uh, uh, you know, proto Gnostic uh, believer, and uh, really had a lot of uh, um, oh, uh, you know, with uh, Dr. Rudolf Steiner and that whole movement out there. He was really progressive for the you know for the 20s and 30s, but he but people out there. Uh, referred to him as crazy Kreiser and, and he kind of, you know, he was, he was a uh, kind of desperate on a lot of, res you know, respects uh, of having to do things that he, that probably weren't really kosher for the area, but he was having experiences uh, with, he would claim that there were spaceships landing out there on this dry lake that, you know, go, which is really about a 10 mile dry lake that he was seeing uh, craft the size of durables land out there. And he was in some sort of communication with extraterrestrials and everyone thought it was just pure nuts, you know? And then he kind of was doing some, uh, he tried to, uh, you know, you know, that was all open land out there. And so he tried to fence off a lot of that area, um, and claim it for his own. And, uh, so there's like a, a lot of contention with like the Richies and the, these other families out there, but you know, people thought it was just, he was mad. And, uh, but he, but again, he was isolated and, um, you know, but he did create the inside of this, this rock, uh, uh, he, he carved this rock out and he, and he actually, uh, carved it out either it was by inspiration or, or whatever, where it was, the right temperature in the uh, summer, it would it would stay cool in the summer, and it would warm up. It, the, the temperature would always stay constant on how he did it, and I, and I don't know how he knew that. Now, as a child, I, you know, there was a piano down there, and I used to go down there and play the piano, and there's a whole roll of books. It was a fairly large structure inside there. So, um, and again, I mean, it, it was an amazing uh, experience to be inside that thing. Uh, the biggest disappointment that I have had was when the BLM, after my uncle had passed away and, and the BLM had reclaimed the area, they went and got bulldozers and, and, and uh, just completely caved it in and you know put rocks in. So, so you can go, if you're a smaller guy, you can probably get yourself in there, but um, it's really a tragedy that that thing was not preserved. Uh, for you know, for anybody who wants to go down there. Uh, so, but, question, uh, question is: Is it where the guy living under the rock? Is that where this guy this came from? From him? Yeah, yeah. yeah you think about Christ, it, like yeah. we're going to live under a rock, right? Interesting. Um, the, the but what the rock is made of? What what what's special about the rock that that you know about? Um. Oh God, the whole the whole mineral composite. Uh, you know. It's, I, you know, I, I, um, it's interesting. Um, God, I wish I had, I wish I had my notes on it, but, um, uh, it just, oh gosh. Um, there, it, it seems to be, um, well, well, let's back up a little bit with the paleo, uh, you know, Indians, uh, you know, they were actually would come for, you know, hundreds of miles and, and meet there uh, early on. And this goes back, the, the legend goes back almost 10,000 years ago before any of the known tribes were out there. But this is just legend. 
that the Indian tribes would come out there and meet around this rock because of the energy it gave. And it was, a, it was known as a spiritual place, meeting place. In fact, if you weren't in the higher echelon of the Indian tribes, you weren't allowed to get near it. You're, you were actually made to go. <laughs> you had to stay away from it. And it was just primarily meeting place for the chiefs and the, uh, you know, various uh, magical entities, uh, you know, around that whole thing. So, so when that they, was the early... They came yeah. out there during all year round or this certain time of year? When, when during the special time periods or if there was any, you know, major issues. Um, and it wasn't often. Um, I believe it. they came out there um, during the equinoxes. And they did have their various rituals. So it was really kind of a communal thing. And this is just pure legend um, from what, I, what I've gathered over the years. So, um, again, I, you know, of course, there's no, no record, no written record. This is all word of mouth. But this is, uh, you know, this, you, know you, you have all the various Indian tribes out, you know, local, um, what the, the Anastasia uh, Indian tribe and yeah the Pueblo and Anastasia right yeah, yeah. And the Navajo so you're, you're getting, you're yeah getting, the Mojave yep yep so um, that's so, what you're talking to you now about it but you know again it's a mystical place but and the energy is it's palatable I mean the energy is I mean definitely you feel it in there I mean it, it is uh, I, I don't know it's this giant conductor. The mineralization for some, and I guess if you just thought about it, there's a couple of things. One, you have this displaced boulder out of the middle of nowhere, giant boulder, okay? And then you have this dry lake. And literally, it's the last time I was out there, I mean, you can go uh, by there, and the water, there's, a, there's an underground, a huge underground lake underneath the dry lake there. So you got two things. You got this displaced boulder, and then you got this, uh, you know, this giant, you know, lake, uh, you know, the underground lake there. So, so yeah, um, special, you bet. I mean, it was uh, extraordinary. I mean, and visually, it just stands out. So, uh, gosh, so pronounced. So I does mean, it set on any different. geomatic forces or anything like that? They claim there is, and they claim that there's certain connections between that whole area and even in this is getting in the Integraton and Giant Rock Boat that has some, this is Dr. Bruce Cappy, uh, this mathematician, uh, Captain Bruce Cappy uh, from Australia had done this mathematical race and there's some connection to Stonehenge and to uh, the Pyramids of Giza that there's something there. Um, I've got his book here. I'll have to read. It's been, actually, I got the original, uh, I got the original uh, copy of, oh, wow. you know, he wanted, Bruce Cathy wanted me to have it so badly, he sent me one of the original copies of that thing, and I still have it. Um, and anyways, but there is, there's a connection between these uh, other sacred sites, and that that um, is within that, you know, range of some <laughs> mathematical configuration, you know, so above my paper. But, uh, yeah, uh, so, so that's that's kind of I guess the the setting of there. I mean, it, and Kreitzer was the guy who who initially started, and he's kind of an unsung hero, uh, you know, about this too. And, and I've never been able to figure out that, but I think it was probably because he was so controversial, and it created so many enemies out there that no one wanted to really give him any credit. But 
um, he actually had taught my uncle a lot of uh, things, a lot of information, and um, about and even how to uh, channel uh, extraterrestrials as far as and what he had done. So the baton was actually passed from Frank Kreitzer to my so uncle. What do you mean um, channeling? What yeah. what what so our audience know? What's channeling exactly? Well. Um, uh, channeling, uh, you know, it's a, uh, it's a technique of deep meditation and what, uh, and actually in my uncle's time, how he had done it was he had, um, uh, they would sing and pray, uh, for, you know, uh, you know, considerable time and him in a weekly, uh, so-called channeling group, which, which actually is a misnomer. I mean, it really, uh, in fact, the whole word channeling, my uncle detested it uh, because uh, a Life magazine reporter had asked him, well, what, you know, what, you know, how do you, how do you do this? And so he says, and he goes, well, and he says, and how can you talk to these various entities, which my uncle in these sessions or, you know, George in these sessions would, would talk to various people. And it was through um, these uh, these sessions uh, that he would get a lot of information, uh, you know, through it. But um, it, it, but he but he was when he, when he was asked, well, how do you how do you talk to this one and this one all the time, or you know, three or four different entities? And, and my uncle made the the comment. He says, well, it's almost like switching a channel. And that's been the buzzword for you know, I guess conjuring up. Uh, extra extra uh, terrestrial interdimensional beings and so that was the buzzword but my uncle really shaped it the full channeling description you know as far as that but it really was uh it was just con- it was contacting uh you know these entities was through, this through a deep deep meditative trance was this in the 50s yeah. or in the uh it actually started in the 40s with, 40s yeah okay. but in the 50s yeah and then it really got going. Um, the the uh, the interest just you know it, it just grew. I mean, and uh, what kicked the whole thing off was the uh, you know the the DC flap during the fifties when uh, when the gigantic flyover by extraterrestrials stayed right on top of Washington DC for about a week, I guess, total week. Some say three to seven days. And my uncle had, had actually had sent telegrams to all these uh, organizations, including the president, President Truman. And this was uh, in July of uh, 52. And, uh, in, and in conjunction with some of the channeling uh, uh, or information he was getting from extraterrestrials who were adamantly against the nit- nitrogen bomb or nuclear bombs and all this, uh, and and they were telling him that these bombs were literally destroying uh, the uh, well the atmosphere on on the Earth plane and also for in in other dimensions. And so they were so these uh, entities were telling uh, George to you know make sure these uh, government and people knew what they were doing. And which was really fantastic, really incredible, even though, you know, the whole quantum physics um, 
you, you know, things talks about parallel universes and what have you. Uh, and they were talking about that in earlier too, by, you know, 20 years. And of course, ancient Vedics had been talking about 10,000 years, but a lot of people didn't knew nothing about parallel universes, quantum physics, et cetera, et cetera. And my uncle, um, so he, when he told them that, uh, <laughs> George argued with him. He says, he was telling me, I can't do this. And I guess this conversation was recorded that <laughs> my uncle in a different voice channeling this information or, or coming out with a two-way conversation saying, I can't do this. They will, you know, the government will ruin me and everyone will come out here and destroy my life. And uh, so anyways, uh, they told him to go ahead and do it. Well, uh, uh, about a month prior to that time period, George sent out telegrams to the Los Angeles Herald, uh, you know, the Department of Defense, Congress, uh, Harry Truman, et cetera, et cetera. He, and he had sent all these things about uh, that, that they need to stop and that the extraterrestrials were going to come and verify by sitting on the flying on top of Washington, D.C. and staying there of, of the veracity of what George was, was, had said in his telegram. Okay. Well, a couple of things happened out of that. Uh, you know, George became very famous because word got out that this guy, crazy guy out in the desert had already told him about it. And, uh, and, and eventually he got the cover of Life magazine, um, uh, you know, too. But he got very, very famous about that. And then the FBI started tracking him. He became a person of interest. Um, and so, uh, so George was coming, was going in, was in contact with the various government officials about this whole uh, thing. So, uh, and, and up until the next president, White D. Eisenhower. Now, in one of the conventions, which incidentally they used to hold a UFO convention, huge one, where you know thousands of people. That giant rock. That giant rock, correct? Giant rock, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, yeah. So the the UFO uh, what spacecraft convention is what it would have, and uh, so um, at any rate, um, he he developed quite a big following um, about this and worldwide. Um, so that's kind of what got everything kicked off. Right? And, but, but he, he was no fool. Incidentally, the other thing too is, is, um, you know, during the wartime period, you know, he had worked, he had worked as a flight engineer and inspection engineer for, uh, Lockheed Martin or, or excuse me, Lockheed and, uh, use, uh, you know, use aircraft, et cetera, et cetera. And actually became friends with Howard Hughes because he was, uh, George was a mechanical, you know, uh, almost a mechanical wizard. I mean, he, he, he just was very, very adaptive as far as with his hands and, and could do a lot of stuff um, that way. So, so he had already made friends, had a great reputation. And then of course, when the war ended, there wasn't a lot of stuff going on. It was very, um, as far as in aerospace, it kind of died down. And that's, and, you know, of course, during the thirties, he had already been going out to giant rock and then, you know, after the war ended in 47, what have you, that's when uh, my whole family went out homestead and land out there, including, you know, them, my grandmother and 
aunts and uncles. And they already like been out there so, like three decades by that point. So yeah, uh, they, yeah, yeah. They'd already been out there. Yeah. So. So, so so that's kind of the, you know that's kind of the origins as far as you know what you know the as far as the story of you know you know how how and why they were out there but but they had been going, that was their favorite place to go anyways in fact they had actually dreamed about living out there um, you know prior to that especially during the thirties you know my and you know my father used to go out with them my my father and grandmother used to live with uh, George and Eva during the thirties and uh, my, my father was born in 1927. My grandfather died in 1931. So, and this is during the heart of depression. So my grandmother who had my father late in life, they actually lived with George and Eva. So they would, so the, a lot of people would go out there during the thirties, you know, and camp out near the rock. So they were, they were already, and of course, and visit with Frank Kreitzer. Frank Kreitzer's out there, and so they would, you know, be in contact with him. So that's the connection or the origins of that. And um, you know, of course, me, uh, you know, we were always going out. Uh, you know, all the family events, you know, from since I was born, but were out there. You know, with my grandmother. My grandmother was the epicenter of our family. Is there the, any other the, relatives the, that are alive that? from stemming from the, you know, the Van Tassels or? There's some, you know, there's some grandchildren, great-grandchildren, um, you know, uh, that actually, um, uh, Eva's, George and Eva's children were, of course, my cousins, which, you know, they were way, way, way older. And actually, they were about the same age as my dad. Wow. So that was kind of a weird thing. But so I would, when I was out there, I, I, you know, we kind of packed around, with, um, you know, uh, specifically my uh, uncle's uh, uh, grandson, Sean. Um, and uh, Sean uh, was a character in its own self. But, um, but yeah, so we would hang out with them. And of course, roam the desert, knock over outhouses and be obnoxious, um, you know, out there as far as his kids. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, but, but things seem to happen as far as, you know, the, the connection with the extraterrestrial. Uh, in my family, I was the one, uh, Sean had a lot of experiences. He, he was abducted and it kind of, it really tore, it, well, of course it torques everyone's mind, but it really threw him for a curve. He was kind of a, he, yeah, he, he was an absolute nut. I remember him, we had moved to Pomona. Uh, uh, let me see. I, one time, um, you know, later on. And so during the seventies, he was about 16. He had come out, uh, just purely, uh, just deranged and asked if he could sleep on our couch. And he actually stayed with us in Pomona for about six months. And I had, a, a, I spent a lot of time with him and he just told, he told me story after story after story about him being abducted and being chased. And he, he just wanted some relief and he didn't want to deal with this stuff. So he actually lived with us for about six months. And, uh, you know, out, you know, out there to get away from all that stuff because he was having experiences just all the time and, uh, it just, it bothered him. He was, you know, you think of, the entities are uh, aggressive or you think they're aggressive? I, um, uh, well, they're, if they have an interest, the, the aggression comes is that they invade your three dimensional space. I mean, whereas, you know, I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're, 
we have this meat body and we are spiritual, but we are, we're certainly di- composed differently than, uh, you know, extraterrestrials and, and I guess the more angelic, you know, entities rolling around there. But the, but the invasion of the, you know, the invasion of this whole, you know, through through your whole mind, body, and soul, it, it is disruptive. You know, because we're we're electromagnetic, and 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 so we depend on frequencies. So if you have these other dimensional entities come in, you're getting you're getting your frequency broken up. You know, as far as that, your your general. So it it's it's disturbing, and there's literally there's no uh, doctor in ufology, at least there wasn't there, <laughs> or you know as far as to really explain it. And then the other issue is people would always ask me, um, did I tell my uncle? And my uncle knew that I was having these experiences. Incidentally, uh, he knew I was having them and it used to drive me crazy. What did he say? What was he saying to you? Uh, What would he he say? He would go, he would have that look and he goes, what's going on with you? And I go, nothing, nothing. (laughs) I kind of want to run around and I'd tell him stuff like, uh, you know, I remember one of the things I used to tell him is that I don't believe in UFOs. I don't believe in spacemen, Uncle George. And uh, he used to freak me out all the time because he'd you know, take those gigantic glasses off and take them off his thing and says, you will, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like, yeah, okay, I got it. Anyways, uh, so, so a lot of times I would actually – sometimes i actually cry. I'd actually cry because we, there, was such, there was something going on. But I didn't want to talk to him about it because um, from what I had – understood at the time i thought he was causing it. i thought he was i thought he was causing and bringing all these entities into this whole area and me at the time period but i digress i get getting back to anyway so sean sean was experiencing a tremendous amount of stuff and he, incidentally like a couple of years later he ended, up, he ended up killing himself okay i mean this is how this is like okay this is not like oh okay you know you see et and you know you ride up on a bicycle through barry war and like that it's a little different than that. So, anyways, he got a little confused and ended up killing himself. Uh, is this because disaster, of these experiences? Is that why that I, happened? I, I, yeah, they, they, uh, they because of these experiences. Yeah. So they were profoundly it's negative. On him. Rep, huh? They were profoundly negative on him then. Yeah, for him it was, and I think what happens is, uh, you know, um, I don't know. We, I, we've I, I've talked about this before about this whole acute schizophrenia um literally you become uh two people you know you, you have to you, you know you have to live in this other world but you have this other stuff going on and you literally are two people so it is a form of acute schizophrenia in fact i think uh oh, i don't know I don't, i'm not sure if you know we, we i think we were going to have her on uh, uh with uh, this one psychiatrist and this other researcher um, and Dr. Jacobs uh, had mentioned something about this too, but a lot of the ufologists or people who really go into depth in depth uh, counseling, they talk about this, uh, you know, acute schizophrenia. That's how they explain it, which is nothing particularly new because you know medicine men and uh, you know like the ghost dance with the natives and what have you. They would go into this, you know, frenzy uh, or you know. Uh, you, you know, circumstance, and they literally would, you know, be able to see the future, and you know, time would collapse, et cetera, et cetera. Well, a, a very similar thing happens to, um, you know, to to us. So yeah, I think that if 
especially when you're, uh, and especially when your pineal gland is, is completely open and you don't have the understanding and, and all it is is pure unadulterated terror. And even though telepathically, I mean, in my experiences, which I, you know, I don't know if we'll even get, have time to get into the, in those, but I, I would always have, uh, you know, uh, the various messages that would tell me everything's okay. I'd be okay. Don't worry, et cetera, et cetera. I wouldn't be harmed and telepathically, but you know, how do you, <laughs> I mean, it's not real credible because you know, how do you believe that? I mean, you, you don't have a really sense of, of, of comfort. I didn't have a sense of comfort. And, and according to other people also, it, it's, it can be a very, I would, I mean, now um, I would have no problem with that. You know, you know, as far as this, because I have a certain amount of understanding and, uh, you know, I, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't scare the bejeebies out of you, but back then it did. So, yeah. Um, your, your father, so, your father lived in, how long did you guys live in Giant Rock area in the Yucca Valley? How long did you live there? Well, off and on, we were going, we were, uh, well, actually it's almost embarrassing. Um, you know, it's just kind of a thing. Uh, my, my dad had, my both my parents had alcohol problems. And oh, so sorry. we would literally, you know, end up going back and forth to, you know, Henrietta or Fat Grandma's, you know, cabin and, and, and living there because we had the only place to live. So from the 60s all the way up to uh, 68, we were there and back and forth. So all total, I went, uh, let me see, I went the first and second grade and, you know, there uh, off and on. So all total, yeah, we were there from 60 to 68. Yeah. Out out there and incidentally um i don't know where i heard this um from but from 1955 to 1965 were uh reported incredible amount of human abductions that were going on in the united states which is really interesting because i it's been rumored that there was some sort of deal made uh, you know that eisenhower made some sort of deal that they could, uh, uh, that they could actually do studies and abduct, you know, and, and these were in fact the notorious graves. Is what I heard for an exchange for technology, uh, and so we were kind of al allowed to be fair game. So there's an inordinate amount of people that experienced abduction, you know, in missing gigantic missing time periods, not knowing where they're at. I mean, family, you know losing you know kids for a couple of days popping up uh, my experience well one briefly that I had the first one I had which was I, I was like four years old and I was teleported through a glass window and I, I was actually at my grandmother's house there I was teleported through a window into a steel uh, ship that was almost like uh, you know it was, it was just a, a clinically clean and uh, that was kind of hovering outside of my about 30 feet above my grandmother's uh, place out there and I was taken in and they were actually doing experience that was the first one and uh, that I had um, and so those went on until the last one was uh, I believe in 67 in a summer when we were out there and uh, that, that they had continued continually had 
uh, either abducted me or whatever. And then they tried to abduct me again when we had moved. And I had a tremendous, I had horrible experience with that because I just wouldn't go. And after that, the physical abductions stopped. So do you so remember any had, of these abductions at all? I do. They're quite vivid. Um, the first one was an experimental one. When you talk to, and this is the, the, you know, the various, you know, cattle prong type thing where they were literally going inside my nose and inside my eyes and putting various devices looking at, and there were actually, there was, there, there was, this is atypical too, because there was one very tall gray and there were four, four short ones with the bulging eyes that were around me. And I, and I was paralyzed. I couldn't move. I couldn't, I couldn't move. There was, I, I wasn't strapped in. I couldn't move. I was completely, you know, as far as that. Um, and then the other ones were uh, uh, different in nature, but it was, it was primarily the same group that was doing it. it you know, it was the same, uh, I guess, notorious grays and that were doing these kind of things. And um, yeah, I, I do remember them. What do you think um, their attentions are? I mean, <clears throat> As traumatic. I mean, what do you, what do they want? I, I think that they were actually. They, I, I think they were har, they were har, harvesting. I, I think that uh, they're harvesting DNA. I think that was in part of it. Um, and they were actually cherry picking, you know, selective stuff for their own um, reproductive. Because apparently, this is what I've understood that that they could not uh, reprodu- reprodu- reproduce. So they actually were doing stuff kind of through DNA uh, splicing. And um, so they were cherry-picking various things from various uh, abductees. And uh, that was the purpose of it. And uh, at the same time, uh, I, you know, they were just, uh, we were part of a database, you know, as far as that, Um, you know, just looking almost like, Almost like they were veterinarians. <laughs> a collection, we're a collection yeah. of p- petri dishes to them, probably. <laughs> right, right. You know, we, <laughs> this you know, we like this. Uh, it, it, it is. Um, you know, there is a marked difference between myself and the rest of my family, uh, which I, I don't. You know, there's been a couple of things, uh, instances where I think that they were essentially uh, being prepped to be abducted. But I don't think that they had actually had any of the experiences. And uh, there's a difference. There's a huge difference between me and, I mean, uh, you know, everything I've done and every experience. I don't know whether it's, uh, you know, it, whether, they, whether they gave me an advanced chip or what. I don't know what it is. But my whole view and, you know, life has been dramatically different than the rest of my family. So, um, but I don't know. But anyways, I digress. So, um yeah, what what else is there that we need to know about with the giant rock area? What's going on right now? You, do you, um, do you know anything that's going? On? I mean, with the BML owning it, is is it getting torn apart? How is it being protected? You know, is that area? Well, it's not. It's not being protected. It, you know, really, what it is is it's a dirt track for dirt bikes and you know off road vehicles and what have you. It's you know that's essentially what a lot. That's kind of what it is. And then you, of course, have the Integraton, which, you know, you've experienced, which is they do the sound bass things there. I mean, they're, they're trying to do this multi-use deal out there. So who, uh, who and, owns the Integratron? Who, and Well, that, there's a couple of few sisters. I, 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 I have I've had very, very 
little contact with them. Um, I knew that, you know, for my movie, they gave me $25 for a coffee cup and they, I, I they were the ones that ever bought the coffee cups. So I ended up giving them back the money. I think there's a, I think that there's a, I think there's some sort of schism between family members and them because, um, you know, they, they have an economic interest in the integrity. You know? uh, so when, what, what is it going to be made of? I mean, I never got completed too bad, you know, and what are they going to do with it? Just continue to use well, I, it for I think sound. That the, well, yeah. And, and this is my thought on it. I, not, nothing's going to go. I, I think that incidentally, all that stuff was provisional. Okay. And I think that in some respects, I think that my uncle kind of was a little bit of a fallen prophet because of some of his escapades out there. Um, but I think the whole thing was provisional. I think it was, you know, if you, if, if people can, you know, merit up and uh, literally, you know, rise the occasion, be spiritually clean, I think the information that was um, getting to him, you know, in bits and pieces would just flow. And I don't, I, I think that right now, um, the way the circumstances is, is just the wrong ambassadors for that kind of stuff. And, and really, I mean, through my meditation, um, there's just a real need to, to create, uh, other integratons and, and what have you. I mean, granted, I, you know, that's the, I mean, that's an amazing, uh, building and, and, uh, stood the test of time, but I think there needs to be other, and I of course hope to, to do that, you know, with, you know, eventually as far as that. Did, um, did Howard well, Hughes help? Could, did Howard Hughes help build the Integratron? He did. He actually gave money. He actually oh, donated okay, money. Great. Um, that, yeah, yeah, he actually, so he actually donated money. part of the wood in there is like from the spruce goose, same kind of. Yeah, I don't know. What, I don't. I, I'm not sure about that, but I, you know, they're on the same page. And you know, as far as that, I mean, obviously, you know, you see the correlation, which is a, which you know, an interesting bring it up. You have the spruce goose. And you have the Integraton, which is basically with all the non-various, you know, very few, very little, you know, metal um, is what have you as far as what it is. So, so it's it's a clean structure. You know, it's not contaminated, and you can, and and really, one one of the things you have is you have metal and what have you. And if you're if you're, you know, essentially the entity like giant rock is is like a uh, you know it's a giant giant conductor. I mean, it's a conductor and. The Integraton is a conductor. I mean, and its purpose was, you know, cell rejuvenation. And um, it's kind of the same philosophy as far as the amalgam in your teeth, which has given a lot of people a lot of trouble, you know, as far as, you know, with the, you know, with. With fillings, you know, the fillings in your mouth, lead or, you know, whatever they put. Lead, whatever it is. So so it gives, so it, it, and, and actually we are, we are actually, we are human conductors, and so, and so I guess the principle is is that they don't want anything to interfere with that, you know, with that pure God energy that, to come in and to, uh, um, you, you know, enlighten and, uh, and heal the whole whole thing. So, so that was that was in part why they did that, and, and why they didn't put a bunch of metal in there. Is, um, is George Van Tassel's? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I had a guy. I, I had a guy from. Uh, some representative from, uh, I think I mentioned this, from the uh, ancient aliens. He, he, they'd hired some consultant, and, and uh, he wanted me to explain how the thing worked. 
and I kind of just, uh, you know, I, I just didn't, I, I, I you know, it, it's such a, such a long drawn out thing that I just didn't want to get into that at the time with him and didn't want to be that, you know, as far as, so I, so I didn't, I didn't really help him and maybe somewhere down the road. I, yeah. I, I watched that episode on history channel about the Integatron and it's kind of, you know, yeah. it's slapped together, you know, how they put their programming together. Um, but yep. there, there was a guy that worked with your uncle that had, you know, like he's still trying to work on everything, trying to make it work. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. determined, so, you know? Yeah. So uh, well, what's his know, fitting mean, uh, there with people, those? Yeah. There've been people that have commented to me that they've had, you know, some fairly, uh, by sitting in there for any length of time that they've, you know, felt people, people with cancer, like kind of look in terms of it as the Lord, the Lords or someplace like that. But, um, one, one young woman had told me that she had felt that she'd had, a, uh, almost a spontaneous recovery from her. I think it was lupus. And, uh, you know, so, um, anyway, I'm not gonna argue with anyone's recovery, but some people have really felt a great feeling and, you know, uh, with what it is right now. So I think, okay, great. You know, as far as that, I, but you know, as far as what could happen with that thing, uh, you know, and, and again, it won't happen overnight. Literally, I mean, you know, when you talk about grabbing and 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 let's let's not call it channeling or let's call it uh, just gathering information, you're you're talking about considerable time and and being in a in a in a place to um, absorb that kind of information, and then of course to decipher and then to uh, you know, I mean, you know, write it down and then to experiment, it's going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be kind of a marriage with, you know, the whole spirit science marriage, um, that would have to, I mean, you know, I come from the old school of, you know, ask for ask or cash, nothing, nothing, you know, nothing, yeah, but you need to have the right vehicles and you need to have the right people doing that. And, and, and if you're basically trying to sell, yeah, you know, access to this thing, and, and incidentally, it was never intended to have to be a commercial product. Literally, it was intended. The, the whole spirit thing was to literally have people lined up all the way to you know, God knows what, sick people, and to go through it, experience it, get their whole uh, molecular uh, world cleaned up, and you know, move, you know, move, move, move away, you know, move away, get ill. That was it. And, and, and it was put together with donations, and sweat equity, and, you know, heck, uh, you know, the whole family worked on it. Um, it, it was really a great, great thing. But it, it, I think, you know, I mean, I, I still believe, I still believe that there's a, a chance. But, again, it's going to have to be the right people. Yeah, right now, doesn't seem like the right people, I guess. And, and I just think with the Integatron, it has so much to offer, like, the, the the doctor that invented polio vaccine, he offered it free, you know? So, yeah, Dr. Soft, I know. Right, yeah. you know what I mean? So these things, that's what it's meant to be. Like, you know, and probably the channeling he did with them, they wanted, the intention was to, for that, you know, to rejuvenation, to, to be younger, you know, to live longer. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it's not being utilized for what it is, unfortunately. And then the technologies are there that are combined together, all there available right now. You could buy them individually 
these part of these technologies, but not combined in that in that way. And uh, I just it's on. It, hopefully, it works out one day. I I see what you're saying. It it probably will. You know. It, yeah, I think it will. Yeah. Being optimistic. Well, I, I think one, it's been my experience, and like a lot of people, a lot of people's experience. In fact, it's it's been amazing. Even though you know, as far as it originally it started out was, I thought, okay. I mean, I, I've been dogged and chased with this whole giant rock and my uncle and that and that whole underground of people, that whole spiritual world for so many years. It's you know, it's just I've had all these serendipitous you know meetings and you know events that have occurred in my life. Um, you know, along, along with my own, you know, sightings and, and my own experiences as I moved on and my, you know, life and what have you, but it's always been in the back of my mind that, you know, we've got to do something with that. And it's kind of like, uh, so I, you know, I've just, you know, done what I can. My original, uh, plan, which was to just, uh, you know, to create, uh, you know, I wrote a screenplay and, and, uh, and then eventually wrote a book, but, but it was really designed to bring a lot of energy and attention to that, which I think I've been successful at any rate, just by sheer volume of people on the internet and what have you that have, you know, have, have listened to me and, and what have you. There's a huge following. It's an underground following of, you know, my uncle's work and, and also to the various people and characters of that time period, the old giant rock phenomenon. There, there is this energy out there and it still exists. So I've, I've been kind of just, you know, um, you know, doing what I can, you know, as far as to bring a, a certain amount of consciousness. Um, I'm, of course, uh, and it really has nothing to do. I mean, it has really has nothing to do with my pedigree as far as with this thing, too. I, I mean, I literally wouldn't talk about this stuff. Uh, I never even told my wife before I got married about <laughs> my I, I wouldn't tell. I, it, it, I, I I'd be in a room with my with friends. I remember I was like seventeen. I had a room full of friends, and my uncle George had come on a an old show, it was a rerun, and they were going, "Oh my God, this is so cool! This is so hip! I, unbelievable! We got to go out there!" And oh, Seth, I'm I'm just sitting there, just kind of shaking my head. <laughs> He's like, I'm like, yeah, this is cool. You know, sort of that. So you but, think but, it's mostly good experiences uh, of what you've lived through out there when you're growing up, or yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it's like it's just, I mean, it's just it's just life, it's just energy as far as that. And of course, you know, I have my I have my own ego too, and and of course, growing up, we were all dirt poor out there too. I mean, you know, so it's, you really, <laughs> you know, appearances, you know, growing up, especially in California mean a lot and so uh you know so i i was really uh reluctant to tell anybody where i even you know that i'd lived out there i mean i just was because i was you know completely i was uh, just quasi you know just i was a kid quasi embarrassed didn't understand and thought that uh, the less i talked about it the more it would go away but the thing is never went away the desert's I mean, your I, backyard I, I, you know, playground I, man the back, right, right. You know, that, they had they have or, no fences or, back then. You know what I mean? They right, still don't right. have fences out there, and everything. Right, you know, like right. Yucca Valley. I mean, you walk around, wander all over the place, and, and people, get lost. People say, "I'm going to live yeah. in Joshua Tree." You know, and, and then I don't want to live in Yucca Valley. I, I tell people, Yucca Valley is Joshua Tree, man. I mean, 
Yeah. Oh, I don't want to live in Yucca Valley. I want to live in Joshua Tree. Yeah, yeah right. It's like <laughs> I don't want to live in Landers. I want to live in Joshua Tree. Yeah, that's yeah. where you know I have friends going out there. I'm going to live in Joshua Tree. And went, yeah, you can live in Yucca Valley too. It's the same thing, you know. And then they start looking. Yeah, you're right. Wow, you know, it's only <laughs> the desert's the desert, right? Jeez. Yeah. It's beautiful right, though, yeah. you know. It's it, it's amazing, it really is. It's it's beautiful there. It's completely different from Palm Springs, you know. The weather, everything, the vibe, you know. It's yep. like completely different. And, you know, like and then you know, you had that Sandarius Fault right there, two two shelves, you know, the you know the Platonic Pacific shelf, and you know, and the other. Anyways, yeah, yeah. North Pacific, you know, colliding right there, you know, bound the things to happen, right. <laughs> Well, you know, if you went, you know, they, there's, uh, you know, our our school, Joss, our elementary school that you and I both went to, Josser Tree, you know, elementary down there, there there's actually a brand new one. Uh, the, the old one is still standing there, but it, it was it was impacted directly, you know, by that, you know, earthquake. It was a 9.2 earthquake there. So, so you actually got two, uh, you, you got two elementary schools. One's, you know, actually a fairly modern one looking about, you know, a, half a mile down the road and then there's the old one that we went to and uh you know as far as uh, uh, it's it's still it's still standing they, they have torn it down which i don't understand why but it's still standing there that's it's uh, something yeah, about so, that area you know like all around you know like palm springs yucca yucca valley desert hot springs they have all these uh, still the old abandoned buildings some of them are still there like wow it's i remember that when i was a kid you know, still there, you know, and it, you know, like since it doesn't rain that much that, you know, the, what, you know, the weather doesn't, you know, tear it down so much, you know, they last a lot longer, the buildings. So it's, it's interesting. Like it's another land rush happening, you know, like had the land rush and everything and, you know, expecting to be a metropolis. It didn't happen. And that's when my family moved out there. So it seemed like well, the promise, I, there, you know, Originally, you know, originally you're right. There were, you know, I mean, you could, uh, you could homestead uh, five, five acres, you know, for nothing if you made improvements, and then you end up with the land. If you could, I think after ten years you got free, you know, it was, you know, fee simple. After ten years, if you made, you know, certain contributions every year, so there was that original land rush where people were just staking out property out there, um, you know, too, and that that that. You, I, I, you can't do that anymore, but that was that was the original. Don't want to get people out there, but it, there was no, there was never any economic base. Um, however, things are kind of moving in that direction, and again, the whole uh, hipster, you know, you know, L.A. refugee type, you know, artists, uh, indie bands, and uh, writers, art, you know, actual artists. My, what have my you friends from talking. Portland are moving out there. Like I had like. Uh, Jay Martin from he used to be in this band Poison Idea. Anyways, he does DJ stuff out of Portland music scene, and I he had like something going on there last week at Landers. A Giant Rock had a band and videotaped it, and like, wow, hey, what are you doing out here? You know, go back to Portland, <laughs> stay there, please. You know, something you want to keep sacred. You know, you don't want too many people screwing it up. You know, it's just like it's you see it being you torn know, apart and you know, nothing being protected, you know, sad. Yeah, it, it is a problem, you know, as far as that. I, I think that uh, the whole land use thing, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not adverse to people, but, you know, part of the things, too, that, you know, I've kind of been involved with is, you know, renewable, sustainable, 
you know, building, you know, and what have you, I think just needs to be really, really watched, you know, and, and done correctly, um, you know, as far as development and uh, needs to be cleaned up. It's just, you know, it's, it's a different mentality, you know, because, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not like, you know, it's not like in the city, it's a different mentality out there, you know, and with it comes a certain amount of freedom, but on the same thing, you need to have some, you know, be very, very responsible as far as how you're going to use it, what have you. So, but, but it's going to happen. I mean, it's definitely going to happen. I just hope that, you know, somebody, that the people, uh, you know, I, I, I'm actually looking for, you know, communities. But one of, one of, of course, my goals is to get, you know, do, do various, uh, you know, stick an integraton in the middle of, of each of these things and, and create smaller home, you know, energy efficient homes. And because that's a trend anyways, that, that's what's going on anyways. And that's a perfect place to do it. You know, because oh, yeah. um, you know, you can you can actually do in ground. Uh, you can do a lot of in ground building that will you know be a lot more energy efficient. And uh, and of course, you've got wind out. You got continual wind out there. So, so you and of course you have sun. So you so you have all the components to really you know create wonderfully uh, efficient uh, you know living spaces. And uh, obviously. It appears that uh, you know, God, with the homeless problems, that mo- that somehow people are going to have to start thinking better, you know, on on that because you can't have people living on the streets. At least, at least I don't think so. <laughs> this is true. Well, we're up. We're at the top yeah. of the hour, my friend. So let's uh, okay. take take a little break here, and then we'll come back. Do you believe in flying saucers? Do you believe in air, even though you don't see it? It's as obvious as heaven or hell. Well, anyways, we're back with the Giant Rock podcast with uh, Chad Meek and Jeff Crawford. And uh, I guess I'm going to tell my side of the story of my experiences with with, uh, abductions, possibly. I don't know. Maybe I was. I I don't remember anything. Like I'll start from the beginning is the, my earliest recollection is when I was five years old and we were talking about living in, you know, Landers, Yucca Valley. And I went, you know, to Joshua tree elementary school. Yeah. And, um, I was, I was like, backyard was my playground, my dog and my, you know, I didn't know how to talk till I was like six, seven years old. And I was five years old. I didn't know how to talk. I did sign language. I knew how to read lips a little bit. And, um, I was the special kid. You know, and the, anyways, so like my back. You know, yeah, you know, before, yeah, yeah. Just, just uh, I'll, I'll, I'll stop. You know, it's it's interesting because there's a link as far as with um, that kind of um, issues as far as communicating what have you, and and uh, you know my, uh, you know, first of all, Moses was a, a, a stutter. You know, that he was not. You know, reportedly he couldn't. You know, put two sentences together. You know the the prophet Moses, as far as that. So you're in good company. I just want I just, I just want to interrupt you. As wow. Far as that. Okay. I didn't know that. I yeah. I mean I I didn't have I had speech therapy. 
You know what I mean? And I did stutter. I stutter when I, I'm nervous still, like, you know. And anyways, I, I kind of stuttering right now. I'm a little bit nervous. I never, you know, talk about this. So, you know, playing with, with my dog in the backyard, the, all the abandoned houses that we were talking about earlier, you know, like the, the land rush. And there was nothing like, there was a lot of abandoned houses. That was my playground. You know, and, and there was no fences, and my dog and it threw rocks through windows, played inside the, you know, the places and everything. And I knew the place, the area well, you know, very well. And then I just, I just disappeared for a couple days, and this is from what I'm told, like three days and two nights. So, you know, and, and then I was found at night when I, I was. Um, last thing I remember was with my dog. He's nudging me, and I'm like close to town. Close to where my dad's business was, which was the hut. I was close to there, as I do remember. I was, and I don't know how I ended up there. I didn't know, you know, all I remember it was daytime. Next thing you know, it's nighttime. I'm laying down asleep. The dog's trying to move me. Get up, move. It's, you know, not a good place to be, you know. The communications between my dog and I, like, like telepathic. So, um, it went, this went to, to the lights. You know, in the city towards uh, the t- the highway twenty nine right there, and um, the man in a truck, like a Ford pickup, you know, F one F ten or something like that, pickup truck. Hey, you're so and so. Picked me up and grabbed me, took me to where my parents were. I didn't even. There was, you know, cop lights, everything all around, and um, I didn't even get out of the car. They just handed me, you know, with. The- <laughs> through the window to my parents i remember that and i just remember bits and pieces of everything and um and i and it's like i don't even know what happened i don't re- like you remember your experiences i don't remember mine and everything and it's just like it's like recollection like a a, a vibe i get from being in that area you know, like something happened every time i go there when drove by there you know over the years and everything i mean Anyways, go back a little bit. My family moved away. My mom and dad, like, they sold the business and got out of there. You know, and the, the Marines were looking for me, too. There was a line of Marines looking for me. I don't know. I've been looking for the article in the paper. I, you know, it's 1965. And I'm pretty sure it's in, during the spring and summer. It was warm. It wasn't cold out. And um, I remember that. If it was cold, it would be freezing my ass off, and I would remember that. Well, I was, you know, I was out there. It's, 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 it's so weird. You know, I was, I was out there at the same time as you were. I mean, that's strange, you know. It's just, you know, and um, with just the other, like, we moved out. My dad had a good business going there, the hut. He owned the hut. And then the, it was, the hut was like a restaurant bar that, where it's the jelly donut now, and in the back is an Irish pub. And that was the whole hut. It was the restaurant in front the, and the bar in the back, all in one building and everything. And they sold that. And we went, moved to Moorhead, Fargo, Minnesota. Anyways, and that's where we, and I think when I look back on it, like my family wanted to get out of there because of that happening. It was never, you know, like, oh, you were lost. That was all it was said. They, you know, they had no clue what happened to me and how did I survive when I kept over the years, I kept thinking, and how did I survive that? And, um, so you had a co-conspirator as far as burying that whole information. And, you know, it's, it's one thing, it's one thing. And, and this has been my conversation with, you know, other people who've been abducted, what have you, is that there seems to be a gigantic conspiracy to just squelch any kind of discussion 
um, about those events. And, and incidentally, that's a very natural, um, you know, response because, you know, when you absolutely don't, you know, obviously they had no idea or clue as far as what that is. And I, you know, and, and even though, you know, you just have to, you know, I guess go back either through some sort of, you know, hypnosis or what have you to, you know, get more details as far as, but I doubt if you tried to explain it to them either. Because yeah, you I really, I really do need to do a hypnosis. I want to do that. I've been looking into that actually to tell you the truth. Cause like, um, we just like my dad was part of the Elks Club, and and had was one of the main vice president. All these pe- things he was connected to, and just up and leave like that, you know. And I just like you know, we we go back there a couple times, but I never you know got the vibrations. Living in you know once we moved to Phoenix, Arizona, that's when things started happening again. I start seeing things. Um, I would, you know, during, you know, during the daylight, you know, like hanging out at school, I would look, look up and there's something right there in the sky. I didn't say anything, but it seems like they're, they're always like watching me throughout my years. And I don't know, like I said, I don't know if they picked me up. All I remember is like, if I do remember things as younger, like being touched, like angels, like angels touching me is like something bright when I was younger, when I. This is in Fargo, Moorhead, when this happened, these type of things happened to me. So there's like, it's an inter, you were talking about interdimensional beings, and that's what I think these are, because they're able to, they look like light to me when I see them. They look like light, like they're bright. And then, I don't, you know, when you, your, your experience is a little bit different. So and it doesn't mean that, you know, it doesn't un- un- uninvalidate what I'm talking about, but... Um, no, no, it, no, it doesn't at all. And, and incidentally, you know, I have people that come, you know, that I've talked to as far as on the call on various shows that, you know, they would tell me, he said, listen, I had the most vivid dream that I was abducted, you know, and as far as I go, well, how do you know it's a dream? Okay. And so and then, which kind of was the whole thing, because it could be a waking, you know, alternative universe circumstance. So they're, they, they come in all colors, shapes, and sizes. I mean, and, and, I, and, I, and I bring up things like, you know, if you just thought about your own molecular structure, like the whole cellular activity going on with your body, I mean, there are, there are worlds within worlds as far as that stuff goes. But everyone wants to, there are purists that, who want to basically categorize everything as, you know, as a, you know, still shape gray or, you know, reptilian or Nordic or whatever, you know, as far as description, there, there, there are literally everything under the, on the sun, as far as that. And it's all individualized because, you know, you, you and myself, we're our own universes. So, so, so whatever it is, is what it is and, you know, and, and how you're contacted. There, there is no, I mean, <laughs> there are no rules. <laughs> really, this, obviously, I mean, the, it's just like every like when I when I went out to um, Lander's Giant Rock like five years ago. I mean, not, not Giant Rock, but actually Yucca Valley. And I told you this story several times, and we're going to tell it now on the, on here. So going to you know to the restaurant there um coming out of the restaurant i'm not going to name the restaurant but i'm coming out of the restaurant like something happened to me here and i just like and then i remembered going 
oh yeah, Sunday school. I was like, you know, you know, the, the black tie, the white shirt, it's hot. You're sweating, you know, and it's like, I don't want to be here. I got to go, you know, dad, mom making you go. You remember these little things like that. And then this was profound because like, like the building, it was like all brick and I scraped the, my side running around because look at that up there. Every, look at that up there. There was three discs just hanging right up there and they, everybody saw it. And then we looked at it. Okay, let's go back, everybody. It was like no big deal. So that was coming to my mind. Like I remember that. I don't remember that before. It was like it was like vivid. Then I start looking on Google Maps. Like what happened up here? What's over here? What's up north of Yucca Valley? What's going on over here? What's this thing called the Integatron? What is this thing? Is this some kind of new age thing? I don't know what it is. I start googling up. Pandora's box, boom, 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 all these things, giant rock, all this stuff. Wow. This is something that's happened to me. That's where I start gluing together more, you know, like some of the pieces start falling together and everything. And I mean, this is over years seeing things and everything, but like really wanted to know what happened to me with those three days missing, being a kid, know the area, what, you know, anybody in the, in the desert wouldn't survive three days without water or food or shelter as a little kid that can't talk, you know, as an adult, I wanted, wanted answers. And, you know, that's where I kind of like, wow, looking up giant rocking in on Facebook, ran into you. Wow. Chad Meek. What's oh wow. Chad's been through the same thing I have. Wow. Maybe he knows what's going on. Here we are. Yeah, there's no accident. It's really crazy. I, you know, I, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, so, you know, listening to you, Jeff, I'm thinking, well, I'm somewhat envious because, you know, uh, well, I, you know, and I had, a, you know, another step too, and right after that, uh, you know, uh, experiences, et cetera, et cetera, you know, going on with that. But I'm envious because at least, you know, perhaps, you know, after you moved away from the area, you, you know, you, you had a certain element of of a normal know kind of normal childhood or whatever that may be but um but I, you know that's what i i think it's kind of neat <laughs> you know maybe maybe it's a blessing in disguise that you kind of zapped out of it or, or didn't have the pieces together on it you know as far as that i, I think about that too they, um, but they but, dissected me right from the place you know what i mean but it's like being it's like i felt like i was being touched by angels to a degree you know like when i when i had experience in in minnesota I was having um, visitations. I felt like coming in, and like, t- like female type, female. It was like it was definitely female. Like the the aura of it. Um, hard to explain. That's how I felt. Yeah. Um, well, you know, again, you know, I, you know, if you, if you get into like you know, biblically, which and incidentally on our on our website, you know, you can get read some of our my uncle's books and what have you. So, and, I, and really, I, I really encourage all the listeners to, you know, to take advantage of it. I mean, my gosh, I mean, you know, they're there, they're there to, to get, but you'll, you'll see a certain amount of religious overtone too, with, uh, you know, comparing, you know, you have, you know, extraterrestrials with angels and what have you. I guess it's all a matter of semantics, you know, as far as you know, what's the difference between a feminine angel or a feminine uh, extraterrestrial. I mean, what's the difference? I don't know. I, I wish, I mean, 
you know, again, you know, the labels as far as that goes, I think that's kind of a little bit of a misnomer because, um, you know, there's a, this energy that's out there. And, um, and, and, and the amazing thing is you, you uh, are identifying it as a feminine and, and I, you know, feminine energy, feminine, you know, angels or what have you, you know, which is, which is cool, which I actually, I, I've identified some of those too with myself as far as, you know, that I've had very, you know, I've had feminine voices come to me. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's interconnected or not. You know, maybe it's completely different experiences that I experienced up in Fargo, Moorhead, Minnesota, you know, North Dakota. It, it probably was. It, you know, and, completely. And, it could be. and the other thing too is you're, if you have an experience, you're, I believe you're marked for life. Yes, I feel uh, also, that way. Yeah, I think, yeah no, I, I really and, do. And you I mean, feel like you're going crazy. Yeah. Like, am I really saying this? Like the, you know, like, like the last two times, you know, every, like, like I said, every time I went to giant rocks, some kind of weird experience, not weird, interesting, nothing weird about it. It's interesting. First time going, you know, like, well, second time, first time was like, you know, it was like checking it out. No one there, you know, but it can feel the, the vibes off it. You could feel the energy completely, the vibrations. Second time going to Giant Rock, driving there, like like a, like clear as clear as a bell, not a cloud in the sky, but there was a shadow over us, at least two foot field balls long over our car. Like, where is the clouds? I'm looking up and there's no clouds, nothing there. Watch the shadow move across, come all the way to Goat Mountain and just hang out there. Oh, the shadow. You know, obviously it's a cloak, something that's cloaked. It's invisible. Anyways, other, the other time, missing of time. Jennifer, like my wife, Jennifer, go, like I go to, um, around the rock, just picking up, seeing what was going around. You know, I get, I give the rock a hug. <laughs> I tell you the truth. I hug it. It's going to be okay. We're going to get through this, you know, and, uh, I, you know, end up missing of time for 45 minutes. She said I was gone. She, she was looking for me even couldn't find me. You know, and, you know, uh, you talk about with, with the experiences you had. It doesn't come to any surprise. And it's just like seeing different, you know, the, during the summer, the bat, my battery on my phone drains during when I went there in the summer, the guy, two cars were trying to jump each other. They're, the other guy's car drained too. Obviously, there's some kind of, um, energy force that has a reverse magnetic where it drains batteries. I have no idea. Yeah, just sucks all the, sucks all the juice out of this the This is in the summer, yeah. you know, and this, the guy's yeah. trying to jump and then his car died. His car was, you know, interesting, you know, seeing purple lines in my picture. I look at it like, what are these? Like purple, like lines look like, and then they look like they move a little bit. And then the, the and in June, uh, January of 2020, when I was at the Integratron for the first moon, and I wanted to get a sunset shot and with the, your uncles and memorial with the rocks and have the shot of the Integratron, you know, just, you know, I, you drive all the way out there, might as well get a good shot. And then, and, you know, I had my green laser and I'm like, there's something out there. I thought it was a drone and it wasn't. <laughs> it was a friendly guy. Hi. <laughs> you know, the bla- really close, really quick. Boom. It, it, it materialized in, 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 in thin air right in front of me. And then, and then it just like, you know, the flashing, hard to explain in detail. This, this put it that was, it was a darker color. One of the ones I'm used to seeing, it was darker color, but it had the lights underneath. 
and everything. And it, and it was just, it, I thought it was a drone at first, but there was no way a drone could sit there that long and that big either. It was, it was a half right. mile away, about a thousand feet and drones aren't that big. Drones don't move that quick. The only drones that can move that quick are smaller drones. Really, and they can, they only can move. They have racing drones, but they only could go inside. They're in interior, not exterior only. And you, when you hear a drone, you can it makes a real loud noise when they're they're bigger. They have a loud noise like a helicopter, similar to that. How do I know? I've used it for film with my background with yeah. film, and you know what I mean. So, anyways, sure. the point the point is like that thing followed me all the way back to Yucca Valley. And everything and, and it's like i kept saying jennifer is it behind us yes it's behind us still and it like it's like i shouldn't have was i was instant fear that was my mistake i had instant fear and i i knew better right. it's like god it scared yeah, the shit and out then of it me. turns it off yeah. because it came right at me like what's gonna fucking do you know what yeah. i mean and yeah. so it scared me and that's why i took off and then so like the second time was february going back out there we're trying to find a house and Desert Hot Springs. There's a vortex there with the two aquifers, hot water and cold water. Beautiful. Anyways, the point is, we're going, we're going up towards the 29 from Palm Springs and Desert Hot Springs up towards the mountain pass. And then there's this guy in front of me and it's like, I was like arguing with Jeremy. He's not, he's, he's not going to, he's driving too down slow. And there's a guy like tailgating right behind me. And I said, I kept telling him, pass me, like waving my arm, pass me. Come on, pass me. So the guy finally passes me, and um, and then Jennifer looks up. Look, look at that; those aren't birds. I went; oh, they look like birds. I went, wait, wait a minute; those aren't birds. They would look like a flock of birds. And then when I pulled over, there 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 was a string of them. It looked like looked like a there was a big one, big white one, and it looked like a Chinese dragon in the new new Chinese New Year. It looked like one of those, and it had all these little strings yeah. and. Going behind it, but it was like folding mirrors. They were very reflective. They kept folding, and they was really low at one point. And then it did. I had it on. I pulled out my camera. I got it on tape. It's on the website too, people. You can see that it's on our website under galleries. So, anyways, it's right. You know, like I got at least I got a good couple of good shots out of it. You know, on, on my crappy iPhone that has a crappy camera on it, it doesn't do any justice. That's why when people get you know like they. Whenever you see a UFO site, it's like real crappy because people have their phones and the cameras aren't good. <laughs> that's why everybody has their well, phone. On them. You know what I mean? Every you know you have your phone. That's why you have the. the, the so, anyways, close. but it was like yeah. it was close. It was like four or five hundred feet above and and about uh, maybe two hundred yards, and then it disappeared, and then it was in the mountain pass. Boom. Then it was many more of them. It was like, first it was 10, then it was 20, then it was 30, and then they kept going floating into the big one. They kept kind of like, you could see it in the photos on the video. You could see them floating inside the thing. Then I'm, I'm going to the Integratron to do the sound bath. I paid for the damn thing. I wanted to check it out. That was the only way I could see it. Anyways, and I wasn't in, very interested in, into their sound bath anyways. That's me. <clears throat> Go ahead, criticize me for that. It's okay. But, um, <laughs> hey, I believe in a lot. I, believe, I meditate and everything. But, you know, on the way up there, I saw another, uh, towards Pioneer Town, going up to the Morongo Valley on the 29 there, going, looking to the, let's see, it would be, uh, north, northwest. 
into the mountain range up there towards Pioneer Town. And there was another one just staggering right there, similar to the one I saw in January. Exactly. And I have that on tape too. Really small. I thought it was a plane at first, but two in within 20 minutes. And they're completely different in that area. That's amazing, I thought. Having those two different ones in broad daylight within 20 minutes apart. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, that, these oh, cool. these are more recent experience. And the last one was um, May 6th, where I had my backyard. And, and I've been doing meditation, kind of a CE5 method, Dr. Gray. I, don't, I remember that one. I, I don't follow his <laughs> protocols too much. You know what I mean? Everybody's sucked into that. You know what I mean? Like, you got to do it this way. It, it, there's no wrong way of praying. Are you, are you talking about David or Stephen Greer? Yeah, Stephen Greer's uh, CE5. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll get into yeah. that in another show. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there is there is a protocol to it. <laughs> yeah, I know, I understand that, but there's still, there's no. Give me a break. You know what I mean? There's no wrong way of doing. There's your dad, your uncle was a religious man. I read his books, and he was talking about you know like God and everything, and they they use that. They you know it's kind of like a charlatan to a degree. And, um, like, there's no, God said there's no way, wrong way of praying. There's no, you know, like, I like right. how that guy prays. Don't criticize him. You know what I mean? So it's the yeah. same thing. There's no, is there a really wrong way to meditate? I've, I've taken meditation two different times for the Veterans Administration, believe it or not, and taught me two different methods. And then I learned a third, I know three different methods. You know what I mean? So I just kind of like Bruce Lee, I combine, I'll take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know, and add it into what I want. And it works for me. You know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with that, I think. You know, and, and people are, you know, very pickle about it. Very, you know, I got to be, it's got to be this way or else. You know what I mean? And, whatever. Maybe that's, I'm too laid back about it. I don't know, but. Well, I, you know, I, you know, again, it is what you know what works for you. And in, in, in meditation, there there are several several techniques. And, and one of my ones that I do is is that it, it really depends on where I'm at. If if, if I'm you know um, confused or if I'm distressed or whatever, I'll do it. You know, I actually do a guided meditation, and uh, you know, have somebody kind of walk me through whatever their procedure is. One in, in particular, if I've heard it before. And it's easier for me to get, you know, uh, get, get into a meditative state. But if I'm if I'm completely clean and clear, and I'm not distressed and whatever, I'll just just listen to the music and then just walk myself through. And actually, I've had some of the more deeper uh, meditative states just by doing it myself with with the music without any kind of guidance. Oh yeah, the music's important for me. I mean, really. Yeah, I mean, so, but what you're saying, yeah. But what you're saying is correct. It's like, you know, it's whatever works for you. But the, but the key thing is, is just do it. I mean, as far as you balance those hemispheres of your brain um, and, you know, shuts down all the, you know, monkey chatter and all that. If you, if you can just have, you know, an hour or two hours, you can really feel refreshed. In fact, an hour of good, solid meditation is really worth about at least five hours of sleep. I mean, it really is good. But, yeah, but, again, I, I fully agree with you. Um, as far as on what you're saying about about that, and the same thing as far as uh, for, first of all, I, I, I mean, you know, I'm I'm gonna start, I'm gonna go buy me a laser, you know, or whatever, and I'm gonna start playing around with the laser to see if that works. But 
it, I've it, literally, it all my things have been, yeah, all of my, I mean, all of my experiences, and, and uh, I think since since I've grown to be an adult, um, I've probably had about 40, maybe a little more than that, but around 40 of, you know, real extraordinary sightings I couldn't explain away. But they always came, with the exception of one, uh, which I had my uncle come to me a dream and told me to go up the mountain. And and that actually, set, with the exception of one time, that I, that I knew I was going to have one. And, uh, but that's it. For the most part, they've come to me. Yeah, the and, last and, one. And yeah. The last like, one I had. I mean, I'm telling you, the, la- the la- last time I had my experience, uh, May 6th, this this last one, God, I brought the levels down a little bit, and uh, it, it was like it, it was hiding behind a star, you know. Like I have a have an app that tells you where the stars are at and the and, the, and everything, and, and uh, it was hiding behind a star during the the flight path of LAX. It's right there, and there was not very you know this you know this is the middle of the pandemic, and there all the flights are canceled. They had a few go out, but you know like this is like midnight. You know, just before midnight, and then um, I, I meditated and I asked it for it to come. Show up, please. Show up. I love you. <laughs> show up. I, I'm open to you. You know, like to try, do some of the protocols that Gear says. You know, the love part. Mm-hmm. It seems like that's a, an important thing, and then being open and keeping that positive energy and that that love energy going out. And, um, and then I, I kind of willful that it showed up like with the green laser, you get these green lasers, by the way, Chad, for like 10, 12 bucks. They're not that much. And then I got mine on this, uh, wish called wish app and I paid eight bucks. The shipping was more and it took two months (laughs) to get it from China. Anyways, but I, but I also too, I mean, I I think, uh, you know, one thing that we've had the conversation before as far as this you know, consciousness is, you know, of it. I mean, obviously one thing I, I, one thing I do know is that they're out there, they're out there. I mean, they're definitely out there. And, you know, as far as that, if you want to, I mean, you know, you, you'll see one, but I thought it was unique when I was talking to you on the, with, on the phone, we were talking about, I don't know even what. And for some reason, one it came and buzzed me. I was sitting out at my patio and I got buzzed by that. And then I thought about that and our conversation was, well, you know, what part of our consciousness, you know, you know, attracts them into us, you know? And so from that perspective, I mean, it, it, it was an oblique uh, yeah. conscious awareness. It's you, it's you two talking again. <laughs> it's you, yeah. you two guys are, t- oh, you're together. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey yeah. I'm going to show up over here. But it was interesting. I mean, it's it was like four hours, almost four hours the experience, and it was like with the laser. I moved That's the laser. Yeah, very unusual. Move the circle. The, la- the laser died. It once lasted so long. The laser died. It's doing it in circles, like, and I was like, I'm going crazy. This is not. And I was looking at my camera, and like I play it back. There it is. I'm not going crazy, you know, because you can't believe what you're seeing. And that long, and then like the the I was able with my mind telepathically, you know, like let's let's sing, and we sang the Beatles. All you need is love, and they knew the lyrics better better than I did, you know. And they and they were telling me they liked the the mantra part. Love is all you need. Love is all you need. They, they you know. And when you think about it, mantra is prayer, and prayer is connection. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So then when you talk about music. 
And me, what is music universal? You never get tired of your favorite song. You never do. You know, like, like you know, John Lennon was a you know was a contactee. He had vivid, vivid experiences with them, even in New York City. Um, yeah, so it. John Lennon had see so you, you know, again. You have a lot in common, and you know that was a Beatles song. Personally, all you need is love. In the yeah. uni- across the universe, <laughs> across the universe. Yeah. You know that's that's there's mantra in that, and then George Harrison definitely. I mean, they they were enlightened. That was a think about that band, you know, that there's something that's, you know, there's something about, and people like I've talked to other people that had the same experiences on Facebook with the Beatles, believe it or not, the same thing. Number nine, number nine, number nine, number nine, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, Hey, Yoko's cool. I like Yoko, you know, like I, when I didn't like her, you know, like when the Beatles broke, I hate Yoko. Why did she destroy the Beatles? It was her fault. No, they were going to break up anyways, you know. Well, it's like this, too, you know, forgetting in, in the, the whole thing, you know, like even like Led Zeppelin. What, what happens is that, you know, you're literally creatively, they've, you're spent. and There's nowhere to go. And so that that's really what the real issue is as far as the breakup band, as far as with uh, both even, you know, Apple with Led Zeppelin. Losing I mean, money. All the money Apple yeah. lost. You know, they signed, and they, they had a great idea. They signed artists that, you know, they would never get signed. That was great. I mean, and they, they had a great, but it was not sustainable in a business form. Then the Eastmans came in, you know, Paul's wife, you know, and Kodak Eastman with all their money and lawyers. And, you know, once the lawyers oh, and the bean point. counters came in, it was over. So, so let me ask you this, Jeff. You know, with all your experiences you have, I mean, as far as, you know, through your lifetime and even with your missing time. Um, and of course, almost the Renaissance or this, you know, resurgence of, of experiences. What, what's your feeling about it? Is it, is it, do you, you know, how do you feel? Do you, you feel rewarded? Do you feel, um, oh, I don't know, condemned or do you feel like you're being picked on or what's your thinking about? I feel good about it. I don't feel bad about it at all. I mean, and uh-huh. uh, that's, I, I, it's like overcoming the fear. That's the other thing, uh, the uh, overcoming fear. It's like, it helped me overcome fear. It helped me center. Yeah. I've been having, you know, I mean, what happened to me in the military made me hate religion really bad. Sure. It fucked my head up. I mean, really bad for three decades, really bad. And, yeah. um, it, it brought enlightenment, something I've been looking for. It, it wasn't maybe it's not just they helped, but I did it on my own and they helped me bring awareness yeah. to that. Well, you well, know, they bring me awareness well, you know, to death. We were talking about death, yeah, I, you know, like your, your, your dog passing. My, I had two sisters pass last year, but it, you know, like my wow. mom passed the year before and it didn't really phase me. I was kind of expecting it, you know, like it was, some little things like my dog passing would hurt me more than my mom passing. You know, it's something like that. Like friend of mine, Jeff Joseph passing and, you know, was murdered in, in Humboldt County for growing pot and everything and murdered for it. And, um, that hurt me more than my mom. But see, I knew my mom was dying. Then my sisters, too, Pat and Joey, died of cancer. And uh, Joey, my youngest, second to youngest sister, 
died uh, before Pat did, and Pat didn't tell anybody. She was Scientology, you know, like L. Ron Hubbard, don't go to doctors, you know. So then she didn't tell anybody she had cancer, and then she died alone. So, like, that didn't, you know, like, then with ha- with these experiences, it, it gave me, a, like, you know, a better view on death and everything, sure. too. So Wind it up. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, it, it changes you. Yeah. It changes you to a certain degree because yeah. your thoughts are changed. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, like, you're you. talking about two worlds. Like, it's like a negative plane and a positive plane. You know, and I'm playing in both, you know, but I'm human. I, I, I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still trying. That's what I tell people. I'm learning. I'm trying. I'm new at this still. I don't know. I, I'm open. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't, you know, I'm open to it and I'm learning. You know, I, I had a dream about my, I had a dream about my dog last night and I actually was telling my son, uh, I told my, I said, yeah, I said, I had a vivid dream about my, my my dog that just just passed. He had cancer, and the uh, he quickly got right back at me. He goes, he goes, he goes. We never die. You've always told me that. And I said, that's right. This <laughs> right. Nothing ever. I mean, as far as death is such a such a misnomer and such so what an illusion. I mean, it just you know as far as the whole thing, it's ridiculous. I mean, we don't. But it, so I had to correct myself. I just was talking to him in a different dimension. You know, it was really strange. My my boys think I'm crazy. Like I Lane, I had to had to get him like look at this. Like on the, the May sixth, I had drugged Jennifer out of bed. <laughs> look at this, look, look, look. I see it. Okay, I want to go back to sleep. <laughs> Show me later. Yeah. If you recall, you called me up. Yeah, I had to. No one was blinking talking to me. And I don't do that. I'm sorry again. <laughs> I don't do that. It's like your wife answers like shit. Yeah. <laughs> but I, you know what? I had to Mark, answer the phone. Mark, it, it, people like yeah. Mark. I'm not going to mention his last name, but my friend Mark, <laughs> he does that to me. I have like friends all at like New York called Jeff up at four o'clock. What do you want, man? I just want to talk. Like, what are you doing awake? You know. So, anyways, I I I'm sorry. I don't do. That. I get mad at people that do that to me. <laughs> so, no, I I, I don't. Uh, I, I'm used to it. actually. Uh, my wife's brother is a Vietnam. Uh, he had some really bad PTSD anyway, so he'd get drunk and he'd wait till two o'clock in the morning and call me. And this went on for he's he passed away, but it, but this went on for about two years. So I you know, I call and you know what? I, if I couldn't go back to sleep, I'd just you know, <laughs> I'd try to call him back and he'd never answer the phone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah, I'm used to it. I, it's so. hard. Yeah, I know. It's- it's PTSD uh, yeah, keeps you awake for some reason, it did, especially with what's going on with the the pandemic. You know, like and everybody's locked up, and I've been in indoors really since March eighth. I talked to my yeah. psychiatrist today from the VA. Called me up. I went. When's the last time we talked? She went May six. I said, Well, two days later, I decided not to go outside. Remember with the pandemic? Oh, you know, like we're gonna. Yeah. We're going to be talking over the phone like that's good because I don't you know like I don't feel like driving to the VA or any doctor's office for that matter. But um yeah, it's just it's been an interesting times 2020. It's almost halfway over and I've been inside the whole time. <laughs> yeah, it, it, <laughs> no, this is, this is bizarre, and, and we're, and we're then, all yeah. 
and riots. You know, like no, I wouldn't even call them people protesting for Black Lives Matter. And I really wanted to talk about this and on this. This is really important to me. I live in a neighborhood. There's a lot of African Americans, and and this neighborhood was burnt down in the '90s where I live at. And um, Nipsey Hussle, a, a hip hop artist, was murdered down the street from where I live, and his place is still boarded up. And everything, and I don't think anything's going to become at half the businesses in, in the African American redlining neighborhoods of Los Angeles have been deprived for decades, and the city hasn't done anything. And um, they, when you have desperation, and you see people like you have people have a food, and you see them have food, and hey, I'm knocking on the door, I'm hungry. Hey, can you share that? And they're not listening, and, you're, and then you're pounding on, hey, I'm hungry still not listening then you're going through the doors you got to start taking because you're starving that's why people do what they got to do is out of desperation there's a small handful of people and then mostly the people have been doing the vandalizing and the damage to the properties in santa monica have been transplanted from elsewhere they're they're white supremacists mostly white have been caught the police have been out of hand they've been shooting at people with with the rubber bullets, a woman lost her eye over it. They're not they're not po- they're supposed to shoot it at the ground, not at people. And this is LAPD. This is Los Angeles, California. I'm talking about, and other cities that are going through this that are need to change. And that's why all you need is love. All you need is love. Think and things are changing. This is part of the change. This is part of the, yeah, the, the evolution that we're the age of Aquarius is upon us. We're getting in the meat yeah. of it now. We're starting things are going to flip to the other side, people. The last shall come yeah. first, as they say, right? The yeah. needs of the many yeah. outweigh the needs of the few, as Spock says. Anyways, the, <laughs> uh, the, the birthing process is, is, is really interesting. And, and I think we're still in for some pretty good, you know, rough ride. Um, you know, I have a, well, you know, I used to, have a fairly large astrological uh, and I just look at these various cycles and, and I still do and so this Jupiter Saturn conjunct is coming up in December that should be up until then we're probably just going to have a little you know, nice rough ride but then after that it looks going to you know this birthing process is difficult but after that I think we'll be on the other side of this thing which is which is good because I mean this has been stuff that been pent up forever and it's been ridiculous and i and i've literally you know and, and like a, a lot of other you know i don't want to call them like light workers or whatever or, or, or people who are i guess you know maybe have a little higher consciousness no one else would get this as far as where we're at and and, and that's the problem with most of uh, to a big portion of our population is they simply just don't understand the damage that has been incurred Especially though it's accelerated over the last three three years, but it's been going on for, for you know for decades. But and, and so but that will end. That's, and there is a promise there. I mean, and so again, it's kind of like bringing in the you know the UFOs as far as through your consciousness. It's almost the same thing. I think if people can just somehow you know endure this really difficult time, and then at the same time look forward to the. Uh, to the promise, I think we're going to be really okay. But you know, having said that, it's kind of I think our timing as far as launching the this podcast and 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 what we're doing, we're that's what we're going to try to do. We're going to 
try to speak to people and, and uh, from from everywhere, uh, including artists, including you know, you know, a big chunk will be you know the whole UFO and and uh, you know things as far as that because that's the kind of the that's <laughs> it's really interesting. We're gonna have we're gonna have some also, really interesting people. We're gonna have uh, we're gonna have yeah. people. You know, I mean, it's there's a lot of people living in fear. You know, and there's I've seen it, and uh, when people are in fear, they don't you know like they. And then there's people that like they're the decades of going through this, as you say, they 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 they're conditioned, and they they don't they um especially where I if I rock the boat, I may not have a place to go. You know, and then where yeah. am I going to go? That let's see, that's the major fear where the, a lot of people hold over their heads. You know, like I got you in a box in your corner and there's nothing you could do. So then there's, that's part of that desperation. And then that desperate with that, with that fear. And then, and then I understand. And it's like, there's nothing going to change. Uh, they're going to, it's going to go away and then they're going to go away. And my neighborhood's not ever going to change and they have everything. That's why they went to Santa Monica. That's why they yeah, did well, there's everything no, there. The, yeah. Well, the, the social contract has been very, it's just been a, a, an illusion and they keep trying to hold this, social contract or you know over one's head and it's just been one gigantic illusions it's all bullshit and i think that's the first thing you know you have to realize what the what the issues are and what the problem is and then you know then you're going to and through conscious awareness just being aware of it really helps dramatically just you know and acknowledging but listen i mean i i've listened to this nonsense my whole life and and you know as far as how wonderful the USA is, it, yeah, it is for a few, and it seems to get narrower and narrower. The percentage of, 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 you know, what this dream is about is, you know, narrowed down to less than one percent. But you got to remember, we also are, are evolving, you know, too. You know, we we have slaves. We marched the Native Americans from one side of the country. You know, we, we literally slaughtered, we committed genocide. No one wants to bring this stuff up. Supreme Court has always has always looked the other way. Uh, and laws were only for the people who could afford them. And, and consequently, you know, brute force has always been, you know, used against people who, who just simply were trying to survive. And there's this gigantic, tremendous amount of rules for one set. You know, it, it's so Orwellian. It's got, it's, it'll stop. You know, it's, and I, and, it's, and it's already is. I mean, it's already, it's evolving to the, the fear to thing. Our way. Yeah. And there's no, yeah. there's no choice because they have no choice. If it wasn't for the pandemic yeah. happening, this wouldn't have happened. You know, it, it wouldn't the, have happened. It really it, wouldn't. You know, it, Not, it, it, it took and this. It's, it's just such a scary thing. You know, and here's the question. You know, it, you know, it basically it, it is part of mankind's salvation. You know, as a result of this pandemic that has literally shut down the world and made them think about what's going on. So yeah, it's it's an amazing thing. I mean, not saying and God, I, you know, don't, don't nobody can get me the wrong way. I'm, I'm not saying I, I don't pray for misery, but I'm, I'm it's just an observance. I think, wow, this is weird. So at any rate, so we'll we'll have fun with that. Um, just uh, let me see. Uh, I was going to mention. I was going to mention um, with the uh, outside of uh, the pandemic and outside what's going on with that i mean there's there's a whole surgence of people that are looking for change for the positive right now and then there's a awareness going on 
And I, there's people that are do these events too. Prior to the events, do these events? Do the have who's running the the United States? Who's running it? It's like long coming, like you said. But there's like there's like okay, we it's coming to a head. Here we are. We're going to change it now. This is what we're going to do. We're going to change this right now. And it's interconnected. This is interconnected to the experiences, everybody, the sightings everybody's been seeing. It's prior to these events, there's been sightings. Yeah. And and it's like they're, they're, they're watching us. They're making sure, you know, like we're, again, we're the petri dish. Make it, you know, we're making sure they're okay. And they don't want, you know, like don't drop the nuclear bomb. So what, what is with the nuclear bomb? That that affects the universe. Do you you know what it is by chance? Well, it tears. It it it, it, tear, it tears parallel universe. It destroys parallel. We're with the the you know the, there 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 are multitudes of multitudes of civilization that are at the at the at the end of your fingertips. You know, as far as there's so many different dimensions, and and literally there's no empty space. And so when you in fact, rip and tear the, the sky apart, you're destroying other civilizations, even though you're not immediately destroying you, you're destroying other civilizations. And so that that's the big premise. And that's why there's just a, an incredible amount of extra tra- or, or UFO sightings after uh, any kind of nuclear testing has gone on. And, and that's been the biggest influx of, uh, of things, uh, of uh, UFOs, Right, that they want to know what's going on. What, you know, you know what's what's wrong in the universe. What's wrong? You know, what's going on here? Well, there's some idiots basically playing around. You know, splitting atoms and literally destroying other dimensions. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's yeah. We don't even dumb. know what we're doing dumb, with dumb, that. Dumb, then. Dumb, we, dumb, we have no clue dumb, what we're doing. Thing. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and 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 then of course what we've done with all the you know various. Uh, you know, abuse, you know, with global warming, which it's not, it's not a myth. It's not, you know, it's not a fake thing. I mean, we literally basically, again, you know, there's all these multi-dimensions that are being affected by what we're doing. And we've been just really crappy stewards. So things have got to, things will change. And, and actually it's like this. I mean, the, the, there's the backlash is, is that they, the, there are watchers and there are, there are the influencers who basically, that that are will try to remedy or bring balance back to it, and I think that's what we're seeing now. And I, if this is it, God bless us. Uh, you know, this is, you know, I, I hope this is. Ju- I hope I hope this is just it. I, I hope that we can, you know, from this point, pandemic, the protests, riots, et cetera, et cetera, that we can actually come to grips with all this stuff and start anew. You know, without basically being wiped out ourselves. So, um, anyways. I'm optimistic though. You're optimistic am, of the you know. future. That's good. I mean, I more so I than I am. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, like I, I said, I'm caught in the negative plane a little bit still, but you know, fighting with people, but yeah. it's kind of like a righteousness type of attitude, I guess. But, um, I just feel like it's the fight, you know, like I see, you see wrongdoing. It's like, are you going to be the hero that just jumps in to saves the day? Are you going to be the reluctant hero that's like, I don't know if I want to get in that fight. I, uh, then you kind of sucked into it. And, um, I think people are getting sucked into it. They've been reluctant heroes. There's heroes out there that's just, I'll just dive right into that. 
I'll stop all that bad. You know, and, and then what side? Either side? No, it's just it's one side that's bad, one side that's good. You know, and there's some people yeah. that are in both sides that are, have some good and some bad. There's like the one side that's yeah. been taking so long without take, giving back. It's that, you know, like the karmatic energy that you put in is what you're going to get out of it. And yeah. um, that's what's that's part of this. You know, like it's it's the attitude. It's the it's the the state of mind of everybody. And then everybody has to get together. It's like, yeah, I got my routine life. And then it's like my, my little bubble over here, everybody's in their little bubble, but it seems interesting with all this happening, everybody gets together. And that's what the unity is the most important, the unity. And that's what needs to happen. And people that be able to, we have to live with each other in order to survive. We have nowhere else to go. This is the only home we know. We have nowhere else to go. Tell me where to go. I'll go there if it's better in here. You know what I mean? But I, I, the, right now, humanity doesn't have anywhere to go. You know, we're, we're here. We have to learn how to live with each other and live in harmony. Or else we're going to perish. We're at that breaking point. It's, it's either or. We can't, it can't yeah. be like we can't go back to the way things were. No, that's, not, that's how I talk to a lot of people. I oh, want things how they used to be. We're not, we're not there. That's yesterday. That's we're here, and we and we could make a better what it was than yesterday, you know. Before oh, yeah. we want it better, that's we're going to make it better. It is happening. It is happening right now. It is. Yeah. So we're getting up towards close top of the hour. Um, oh yeah, good. Yeah, let's talk about our, our, ne- our guest next week, Kevin Smith. God, Can what you a, tell us we're more lucky. About him? Uh, he's, What's he's Kevin's story. Yeah, Kevin is a giant rocker and had his own. He was an eyewitness to an abduction out there. A whole group of uh, Hollywood uh, professionals working working their butts off, and they'd go out on a regular basis to Giant Rock, and they had one whopping experience as far as that goes. It was so impactful that uh, I actually had a conversation with the young lady who, who was actually abducted and and it was extraordinary as far as that stuff goes. And and, and what's really kind of neat about it is um, it's fairly current in times, so about 2005, I believe, but all of them literally after they had the experience, they all quit their jobs and walked across the United States. That's how impactful it was. And, and, and Kevin Smith, he, essentially kind of runs an artist colony out in the, uh, somewhere out in the Pennsylvania mountains, somewhere out there and, uh, has a nice little group going on out there. Um, you know, and a group of artists and, and, uh, and anyways, he's kind of living a different life, but he's a real sweetheart. In fact, he contacted me too from, from this and he said, Hey, how can I help? You know, I was doing, you know, working on the film, and all that, and he says, how can I help? And anyway, so he's helped me, you know, do. He's helped me a lot, you know, through the through the years. But Should be his story is so, huh? Should be interesting in a story. Oh gosh, I can't. You know, I mean, I literally, I, I I'm very, I'm extraordinarily excited about having him. I mean, because first of all, he he's just he's just a sweetheart. I mean, he's, he's a lovely, lovely human being. I mean, first first of all, and given. Gosh, I mean, I, just a giving human being, and literally just, just a wonderful person. But 
but but also too, his story is so riveting. I mean that that story is so riveting. I you know I, I really encourage anybody that has a chance to listen to this thing here is to is to come next uh, is next Thursday at seven o'clock and listen because I'm telling you what this is this is I, I always call Giant Rock the greatest UFO story never told. But along with that, I guess I guess an episode <laughs> is the Kevin Smith. The second episode, because I mean, people, I mean, this is, there are five, five witnesses, uh, one got abducted, uh, one of the persons that they actually grabbed that was right towards the ship got so mad because he wanted to go on the ship so bad, he actually never, would never, wouldn't talk for years to these people that were trying to prevent him from, you know, you know, being brought up. But, um, but then there was a, a young lady who, who uh, got actually was picked up and uh and was brought back but uh was almost speaking in i guess some sort of computer language and, and uh you know had all kinds of mathematical equations that she was that they were trying to give uh her but it wasn't within her pay grade but she was just just speaking gibberish after literally coming out of the ship so were they camping out there were they camping out there yeah they were camping out there yeah how long? How many days were out, were they out there before this happened? Do you know? I think it, I, I think it was the night. I think they got out there, put their tents up, and then you know we're watch, you know we're out there you know watching, and then they had a ship. But we'll have to let Kevin you know yeah, let him tell, tell the story. The story. Right. But, yeah, but yeah, but uh, but it's exciting. I mean, really, and it's so contemporary, and, and it, it supports our you know our weird thesis about there's something weird about that place, and and. <laughs> It's, you know, it, it, it hits us, but he's one of about, oh, I don't know, about 20 people that have contacted me about their own experiences directly near, you know, or, uh, or at Giant Rock. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm going to try my best to, you know, look at my old notes and try to get everybody that's, you know, you know, as far as that, because it's just, it's just, it's just so strange, um, too. And, Again, like you, I mean, it's just people just get the connection, and uh, I mean, they almost become friends for life. It's just, it's just really, 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 uh, it's wonderful in one respect. So, Matt, uh, there's kind of like a club, you know, as far as that. But anyway, that, that's that's there, next week. And, and then the uh, well, then the following week, we're going to have uh, Rick Agnew and his wife Jeniton, and then they're one of the original. California United States goth bands that started goth in America and actually Christian death is the name of the band that they and started in 79 anyways and Rick's been on a whole bunch of sound cracks and they have very interesting UFO stories too they've been to Landers Giant Rock several times they did a show out out there a couple of years ago and they had a very interesting experience that they want to tell us and we're going to have them on the third week and and then after that, we're going to have, uh, uh, I can't remember her name with, with, uh, from the film. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's bad. We can't remember. <laughs> yeah, I know. I just, yeah, yeah. I, I don't have my notes have with me. Sure. Well, well they'll, yeah. everybody will hear, you know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think she, yeah, she's, they got, uh, let me see, uh, we're we're now yeah, at uh, doing podcasts, yeah, everybody. Dr. Yeah, she had, yeah, she's doing a film of uh, Doctor Mac, I believe. Yeah, I, the, about uh, adoptions. You know, yeah, right. Yeah, 
it's all up on the website folks they'll be up yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll have it on facebook website. Yeah. Website. or the yeah. or facebook you know we'll have it up there too but I yeah dr jake yeah dr jacobs he's another one too has done a tremendous amount of research on abduction too so i mean there's a lot of I mean, there's a lot of people and of course we'll be contacted by quite a few people too that'll want to come on and share their experiences and and, and then then hopefully i mean we'll you know we'll be fairly adept at all this stuff and you know we'll get call-ins and have people share their stories too that would be fun too so i'm trying to set that up folks i'm trying to set that up hopefully by next week everybody i'll be able to have be able to do um we'll be able to hopefully go live but if not probably the third or fourth week i just got to work out a few more kinks and all and (laughs) i i sure hope everything recorded right on this on our first try and everything i you know like Still getting the groove of the equipment and new software, everybody. So um, we could clean it up. We can press the sounds and everything, and it'll sound good. I know that. I'm just worried about my hard drives, and yeah. I'm not used to using SATA drives. I, you know, SCSI drives, and I don't know. People know don't know about computers that much, but um, <clears throat> anyways, it's just getting used to the software. Looking forward to doing all this and trying to talk and walk at the same time and run equipment and jump and hop and skip and, and play tambourine. That's what it's like doing this with being the host. And I'm not used to doing that, everybody. I'm used to being the guy behind the camera. And if I'm on the interview, it's every, someone else running the, the software and the, the board. So bear with me, please. Thank you. But um, <laughs> that's it. Right. That's it. We're, hey, next week. Okay. All right. Let me hang it up. Dial instruments versus vertical instruments. Symbols and hieroglyphics. Fluorescent tubes with marks on them. What does it all mean? 